Michael Apple, our latest member of the Business Team, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here, Alec. I'd like to introduce you to our community, to the business community. Just where do you come from? Uh, born in Pretoria, lived most of my life overseas, got back to the country in 1998, uh, went to university in Pretoria, and then made my way over to Joburg since about 2010 onwards. And always been in the media? Always been in the media, in all facets of the media, from online to working in government to working in newspapers and last venture was in television. That was at ENCA? That's correct. What was it like uh, covering the Zondo Commission? Because in particular, uh, our timing is brilliant for you to join the team now, given that you've had such a focus on that during the, uh, the substance of it. It's one of the most challenging experiences of my career because the very nature of trying to uncover corruption is it needs to be in the dark, it needs to be complicated, it needs to be outside of uh, the realm of understanding uh, of normal South Africans and those watching the books. So to uncover, to connect the dots, as Proven Gordon loves to say, and to shine a spotlight on corruption and how it was possible that billions was spirited out of South Africa uh, by Jacob Zuma and his, his network. It was incredibly difficult. It's not easy to piece together how these people were able to, to get billions out of the country. And the cost of characters is so vast that to, to draw the line between all of these people is, is, is very difficult. But eventually the tapestry starts to make sense. So what did you do on a daily basis of covering the Zondo Commission? So uh, there are 10 different work streams that fell within the mandate of the commission from SAA to Denel to the New Age newspaper. Uh, and each uh, work stream had a particular advocate that was in charge of from the legal team that would, would look at that particular content. Um, and... The witnesses changed from day to day, making it incredibly difficult to follow a coherent pattern of sort of Donnell one day to the next and they end with a work stream. They would jump between work streams. So you had to become very flexible in, I'm going to focus on SAA today. The next day I'm speaking about the New Age newspaper, new cast of characters, new figures, new names, which we have to blurt out live on national television, incredibly difficult. You only got about 12 hours notice who would be the new guest. So you had to go and do all your research. And then once the person is on the stand, you were doing a live crossing about um, some of the most complicated people, some of whom have never been mentioned in the media. There is no background information on them. It's incredibly difficult. What stood out for you? What was the, the highlight day? Seeing some of the hardest most trustworthy individuals, public servants, whether they were in law enforcement or whether they were in national or provincial government, seeing them break down on the stand. Uh, there was a colonel from the Hawks who had spent his much of his career the last decade trying to expose corruption within law enforcement. And to see a man who's seen the most horrendous things in the world break down on the stand because finally... He was, his efforts were exonerated when the Deputy Chief Justice thanked him and said if it wasn't for people like you who'd been fighting the very system he was part of, 
he had to go after his own colleagues. But if it wasn't for their persistence, this commission would never have come to fruition. To see a man like that crying on the stand, that is very moving. More than 800 pages in part one uh, that the Deputy Chief Justice has put together for us to read. I haven't had a chance, I've been on holiday, but have you managed to at least skim it yet? Yeah, I've got through about 400 uh, pages. A lot of the test, what it is, is it's a summary of the testimony. And then at the end of each summary, he makes a finding about the credibility or lack thereof of a particular witness who testified. So I immediately went to Dudumieni. I skimmed ahead. There is a little summary. You can go to Dudumieni, had a look at her. I had a look at people like Vuyasile uh, Nseku, uh, who was um, from JM Aviation and a director there and in Swissport, who was doing business with SAA and how the money flowed through to the head of procurement at SAA Technical once JM Aviation had gotten it. So there is wheels of corruption. So I went through to each of these. And the takeaway from the report so far for me is he's not just making findings. He is recommending that the National Prosecuting Authority investigate these particular individuals, this cast of character, for corruption, saying the NPA needs to act on this, this, this. This is, And then there are 10 takeaway points. If you get through all 800 pages, there are 10 takeaway points that the, the commission says should be instituted if we are to stop state capture, capture from happening again. And what are those? It's uh, things like setting up a completely independent uh, law enforcement agency that looks at procurement on its own, and then a return to the yesteryears of the Scorpions, which was disbanded by the ANC, specifically because it was too good at its job. And it became an inconvenience, much like uh, Advocate Tuli Marancella who was appointed by Jacob Zuma, would end up almost necessitating his downfall. She was too good at her job. Chief Justice Mokhweng Mokhweng, one could argue, also uh, initially a questioned appointment, but ended up being a pretty solid Chief Justice for South Africa. So the, uh, the other recommendations are looking at changing legislation around PRECA and uh, around tax legislation and procurement in South Africa. But the notion that great policies equal oh, have, uh, have results is naive because South Africa has got fantastic policies and has had for many years, but it's the people you place in positions of authority and power that ultimately determine whether South Africa is going to prosper and grow, and it hasn't. The DA is making a lot of... Uh or paying a lot of attention to the minutes of the ANC committee that decided on judges, in other words, on CADA deployment. Have you had a chance to read through the transcripts of those meetings yet? I haven't, but I did listen to President Cyril Ramaphosa when he was speaking about the deployment committee. And as deputy president of the ANC, he chaired that deployment uh, committee. And... It is completely, uh, it lacks transparency. They make certain recommendations which are almost forced upon executives in departments. And we found much to the shock of, I think, South Africa when they found out that the ANC was making recommendations for who should sit as judges 
in various places. When you have the Judicial Services Commission, which is in an open, transparent public forum, those names go to the president who ultimately makes a decision. To find out that the ANC was outside of the spotlight of transparency making recommendations like this really shocked South Africa. In the early 1990s, uh, white South Africans who had the exclusive franchise voted 72% in favor of changing the country, of doing, in other words, Turkeys voted for Christmas. They, they voted, they, there was in the referendum, uh, it was almost unprecedented, in fact, unprecedented anywhere in the world. Do you get the sense that the ANC has done a similar thing here by establishing the Zondo Commission? by allowing the transparency that we're now seeing, including uh, exposure of deeply secret discussions on the way that cadres were deployed and the, the party was managing uh, all the important levers of power in the country, that the ANC might well have been the turkey voting for Christmas here? What is going to determine whether this is an aha or a moment of change for South Africa going forward is whether there is the recommendations are implemented. And South Africa has a putrid record of implementing. The governing party has a terrible record of implementing recommendations that can simply be tossed aside. If the president doesn't like this report, he can bin it. He literally owns that commission. He established it. He is not compelled to implement anything in that report. And that is a, a scary prospect. But under the guise of a national election in 2024 and a South African electorate so thirsty for accountability and change. And revenge. And revenge. He would be, uh, he would be signing his own death warrant if he was not to implement what was in that report at least in terms of the national prosecuting authority finally getting to grips but it's incredibly complicated uh, it was it is to be lauded absolutely to be lauded that this first report has been made public and it's been made public on the very day that the president receives it there was talks around are we going to receive a redacted version at some point or are we going to have to wait for all three volumes so what they've done very cleverly was acquiesce to that, that absolute um, South African sentiment of hutful, we are tired mm. there, there. But how they're going to respond going forward, the recommendations the president is going to make to parliament to make sure that there's greater accountability and, and, and transparency in how they act going forward is one thing. But ultimately, the National Prosecuting Authority Everything comes down on it, and if it is not comp if it is not capacitated and resourced properly, then this is a dead ringer. It, it's going to it's, it's dead before it even begins. And what are the budgets that have been cut the most in recent years? It's the hawks. It's the investigating capacity of of uh, the law enforcement arm, and it's the prosecuting arm of the state, the NPA. What has gone up? VIP protection. It shows you where the priorities of our government lays. Whether the Zondo Commission uh, recommendations are implemented now or at some date in future, what are they? What are the major ones? You said the Scorpions, uh, bringing back or re-establishing the Scorpions. That is certainly one of the recommendations. What are others? So there is uh, 
another and it's an anti-corruption charter that they want professionals within uh, state entities to sign and i mean south africans who have heard all of this we we are committed to the fight against anti-corruption will roll their eyes at this except the uh, inquiry recommends that there be legal consequence so it's not just uh, airy fairy sign it and you kind of commit to it there are legal consequences to this anti-corruption charter that you as uh, somebody who holds the purse strings within escom or within denel if you fall foul of these you know that there are legal consequences um, but once again it's going to come down to the caliber of people we place in positions of power we have seen at an institution like saa you can have all the policies in place but if there's somebody who says we're going to ignore that we're going to subvert it it is still possible for corruption to occur it comes down to the caliber of people not how many policies you have in place those are some of the recommendations um and there needs to be greater transparency and i think the anc is in for a tough time from dcj zondo in relation to its deployment committee i think that's going to be another recommendation of course that may come in further volumes later on uh where the way in which the anc has been using the state to generate revenue for the party that that is potentially going to come to an end michael what's been left out so far you have mentioned that there are three volumes we've had volume 1 we've had volume 1 um we are going to look at things like the stina dairy farm was that not in volume 1 that was not in volume 1 so volume 1 was simply the new age uh SAA and SARS if i'm not mistaken uh, i'm yet to get to the SARS part of it or even the new age but uh there are another at least seven work streams that are going to be hair raising i i sat and listened to testimony from so many of these so a lot of what you read in this in this uh, report is is just a summary for somebody who had never sat in it's a, it's a it's a bringing together of all of the the oral testimony from over 300 witnesses who who came to testify over 400 uh, hearing days that would ultimately cost the taxpayer over a billion rand but if you look at the uh, just one example of uh, Dudu Meyeni who through uh, not incompetence but design it would appear just from one bad decision she made it cost the taxpayer 800 million rand so if you look at 1 billion rand in the context that there are a lot more zeros that have gone missing out of this economy and out of the the purse of the taxpayer then a billion rand is a drop in the ocean a great investment as it were yeah. okay so how are we going to be handling it over the next week so i would like to think that we do not want to flood uh, the community with information we need to do a state capture report snapshot we choose what is important from the report um and place that information in context in broader south africa or in the world and explain why this is problematic what exactly happened what are the figures involved who is the cost of characters uh and there are a fascinating cost of characters um and where are they now what are they doing are they in positions of power are they in the upper echelons of the national executive committee of the ANC are they today playing golf with the president as he does fundraising for an organization that is broke and once the taps were were closed 
Uh, it's amazing to see how quickly the ANC, as this giant liberation organization, collapsed because of the, the spotlights that have been shone on, uh, shone, shone on how it generates revenue. I'm hoping that we're also going to give some attention to the whistleblowers because they are the, the reason why all of this has come out into the open in the first place. That's right. We will be looking to speak to Tembo Maseko, who was singled out and praised by the Deputy Chief Justice. And uh, quote-unquote, Jacob Zuma was willing to toss a former comrade out onto the streets and under the bus uh, for the benefit of the Gupta family. So he is somebody that was shown to be an extreme professional as the CEO of the GCIS, um, actually my former boss when many moons ago when I worked in the GCIS, and he was nothing but a man of integrity and uh, a professional that journalists enjoyed working with uh, at cabinet briefings. And ultimately, because of that decision not to part the 600 million rand in government ad spend, um, he was replaced by none other than Mzwanele Mani, who we now know is incredibly close to the Jacob Zuma faction. And I don't think he finds himself as a spokesperson of the Jacob Zuma Foundation by accident.